Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. I'm Kate Norris. I'm Thomas Craft. And we're here to help you plan, design, and deliver your best presentation. Hello, bosses. Welcome to episode 59 of the Presentation Boss Podcast. Today, we're talking about the use of storytelling in persuasion and exactly what those stories need to be successful. And we are recording once again, still on Zoom, Kate. We are, but it looks like restrictions are starting to lift here in Queensland and Australia and we're starting to be able to move around a little bit more. So I'm really looking forward to um, getting back and recording in person. I feel like I haven't seen you in months in person. Yeah, rather than doing this through a screen and sharing various YouTube videos and spreadsheets and uh, (laughs) dealing with usual internet issues and (laughs) all that. That's it. Technology is wonderful, but it can also be... Well, it's wonderful when it works. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) All right, shall we get into storytelling? Yeah, so we're specifically going to talk about storytelling uh, in, in the act of sort of sales and persuasion because it's, it's often been said that facts will tell, but only stories sell. And it's very well understood out there that uh, whenever you're trying to persuade, trying to convince people to uh, undertake some sort of action or make some sort of decision that if we can add some emotion or is it sometimes referred to in the three pillars of rhetoric the pathos if we can load up our persuasion with that becomes so much more effective there's a great example that i heard a while back and i hope i don't screw this up but i'm going to try and retell it anyway about a local councillor and he was at a, a town meeting with all of these citizens around and there was something that they wanted to do. They wanted to upgrade a park and there was a reason why they needed to do one particular thing with that park. And he had all of these facts and figures and all the reasonings and the costings and everything about why they were doing this piece of work. And it had all been really well thought out and really, really well planned. And the whole room was pretty much on board with him and was going to happily let this pass. There needed to be a vote at the end. And then at the end of the meeting, this one mother stood up and she gave this story about her son and about the reasons why this plan was not going to work for her son and gave this really emotional story about it. And everybody completely changed. And so the councillor actually lost that vote and he wasn't actually able to put through his proposal, which he'd worked really hard on. And he was really upset by this because he'd worked so hard on this proposal and this plan. And then one woman with one story was able to unravel it. And he said later that he was actually able to counter pretty much everything that she said, but he wasn't given that opportunity and the story had already won. What he really needed to do was go in with some sort of story that was also emotional if he was going for a persuasive slant on it. And I think that example really demonstrates how much more powerful stories are than logic and facts, because you've got all of this work and this proper planning going on behind, but then one story overrules all of that. And I think this is because stories do just appeal to emotion. Yeah, it's a, it's a great demonstration of how storytelling appeals to emotion and people are emotionally driven. We are empathetic towards stories. Uh, there's this idea that we will buy based on emotion. And we saw that in that example, right, Kate, which is people buy or, you know, make up their mind based on the emotion that comes with a story. If you've got like a really well-rounded persuasive or sales presentation, I mean, you you probably do want to have some logic there to help justify it as well so that people are confident that they've made the right decision. But that decision has been made based on emotion through storytelling. 
And this is a good example that you want to lead with that story uh, because you'll, you'll make that decision based on the emotion. So you'll go and a way of thinking about it is kind of like a little internal elevator, which is you'll go in, in through people's chest, into their heart, into, into the feels and the emotion and the empathy and people will make that decision. And then, then we have this process where we try to justify to ourselves using the logic we try mm. to justify the decision using the logic. So you'll take the elevator up to the brain. So if you've got the right uh, logic and information sitting behind it, you're going to concrete that decision so much more as well. But really the decision is made up at the emotion stage. So lead with a well-delivered, well-considered and crafted story. Uh, and you're going to have people nodding along with you with a persuasive objective of a presentation. Yeah, for sure. So then I guess that nicely leads us into what does make a carefully crafted and considered story. Is that the words you used? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> what makes a good story? It's interesting that, isn't it? Like what makes a good story? And I think most things can be a good story. It's just about how it's told. Like I've seen really good stories told poorly. I've seen like pretty average stories told really well. And it's all about, yeah, how you craft it really well, right? To have impact mm. on the audience. So the way we see it, there's three main considerations for a really good story. And as always, this revolves around keeping the audience listening. Uh, revolves around understanding what your audience needs. So the three things that we talk about are scenes, stakes, and message. So why don't we go through those one by one? Yeah. So the first one, scenes. Now, this you can basically think of as a story is effectively narrating a movie in the mind of the audience. So if you think back to basically every movie ever, uh, it's told in scenes, right? So there's there's images taking place. Now, they're not in they're not generated in the mind of the audience, they're on a screen, uh, but you've got sort of a place and you've got a time and you've got a context for actions to take place, for characters to exist in, for things to happen, right? So when we're telling stories, we're doing that, but without the, uh, the screen. So we're trying to narrate in the mind of the audience a movie. So we need to, we need to place them somewhere and some when. Yeah, okay. So an example of that would be? Yeah, so I think there's basically two types of stories that you can tell in the in the business world. Uh, one is you can tell your own story and how it somehow relates. This is really good for sharing your own experience, for example, in this field. Or you can tell somebody else's story. So somebody else's story might be a previous client you've had. It could be a testimonial. It could be uh, a customer experience. So a story like that can work really well. But if I can use that first type, which is using your own personal story. So last year I worked with a guy, did some coaching with him for some upcoming talks that he had. So he would often give talks to his own industry, which was the tourism industry. And this guy had been in, in the industry, he'd been doing his job for some crazy amount of time. It was like 30 years or something. So over this time, he had built a lot of stories. Now, what he talked about is he was often addressing event planners and he was talking about the importance of considering risk management, like when you've got big events with, you know, the public streaming through. And so he, he talked a lot about you need to take the time to consider risk management and what happens in the event of something going wrong. Now, 30 years in the industry, he'd gathered heaps of examples and experience. And in his mind, it all just made sense. It all sort of came together in one. And so it's really easy to make just generic statements like you should have a risk management plan in case this goes wrong. But what he needed to do was refine down to a single story 
Uh, and we're talking about scenes here. So I remember one story he was talking about, which was he was in charge of running a large markets type event. And he was in the, in the organizer's room. So they had a bit of like a, you know, staff room sort of thing. And his phone rang and a lot of people in the room. So he stepped outside to take this phone call. On the other end of the phone call was the media from some newspaper or, and this particular media outlet said, are you the organizer of this event? He said, yes. And they said, we've heard reports that X, Y, and Z is happening. Some awful thing was happening. I forget what that was exactly. The importance here was he had been to a lot of events that have gone wrong, but by picking one and creating this scene, which is there's a room and it doesn't really matter which showgrounds you're imagining or that room, but you've placed him in a room with some other people and his phone rings. I don't even know what year this happened or what his phone looked like, but he stepped outside you've placed him in some sort of outside environment, just outside a door probably, and he's speaking to someone. The power of having a scene is you're creating that in your mind and you can, you can either see this guy taking the phone call or you can place yourself in the situation. And that's really powerful because now you've got your audience in a place. So you can kind of see that scene yourself, right? Like I know what that showgrounds looks in my mind. Did you pick a particular showground or create a building in your mind, Kate? I did. I had a tent. <laughs> a tent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not like a camping tent, but like, you know, like a, a, marquee, like a marquee or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it works. It doesn't, doesn't particularly matter because. That's not the important thing. Yeah. I didn't give enough detail because it's not the important thing. That's not what the story is about. But I'm still taken somewhere. I'm still in a moment somewhere. Yeah. And that's captivating, right? Yeah. It is captivating. And also you've just said at the end that he's taken a phone call and someone is asking about something really awful. So I'm, I feel really invested here. I, I want to know what's happening. Yeah. And that's important, right? Because the second thing is you need stakes in a story. Now the stakes is kind of the, the answer to the question, why should I keep listening? Right. Why it's should kind I keep of the hook? Yeah. Kind of like the, the hook or the, the attractor to get your audience to listen. Yeah. And so it's really important to build uh, build stakes into the story really early on. You know, in, this, in the example we have, he's in a building, there's a large event, the phone rings and the media says this. It's really early on. And, and like you say, you're invested, yeah? So a story needs to present a reason to listen. It's, it's all very well and good that it might be particularly relevant or have a strong message or be really important to you, but the audience needs a reason to listen. So ask yourself the question, what is it about this story that should have your audience continue to listen and be interested. Now, oftentimes people will actually ruin this. They'll ruin the ending of their story at the beginning. And they'll say something like, let me tell you about an event that almost went really poorly, but I managed to save it. Now this happened. And then someone was on the end of the line saying, we're the media. And we've heard that this awful thing is happening. Now as an audience, I already know that you've saved the day. Mm. Mm. But by not telling me the outcome at first, by just, telling me that the media is asking about something awful i'm now sitting there going oh wow did this event completely go down the toilet or was it saved i don't know so i'm going to keep yeah. listening yeah. but so often we hear people give that answer straight up and ruin their stakes completely yeah they give that thesis statement which just tells you how it ends because right now you're kind of wondering is this was this a formative story where something went very wrong and he learned a lesson or did it go all right? And it's proof that the things that he knows were right. It's one mm. of those two, right? 
Yeah, so finding those stakes in your story, finding the reason to listen and presenting it as early as possible. This might mean some deep soul searching in, in background information and whether it's properly relevant when you're telling a story. If you can jump straight into the action, set up that somewhere, that somewhere in the scenes and then build in the stakes. Why should my audience keep listening? In this instance, the media has called and said, we've heard reports of something potentially disastrous going on. All right, so we've got our scenes, we're mm -hmm. somewhere. We've got our stakes, we've got our some question. And then the third thing we need for our story is a message. So where does your message come in in this story? So you're telling your story for the reason of leading to some sort of message, to some sort of conclusion. And generally this will demonstrate a change over time, which is I used to think this thing or I used to do this thing or the company used to do this thing. Some stuff happened in the middle and we learned some stuff and now we do it this way. So if you've got a change over time, you can pull that message out really easily. So if we go back to the example of the showgrounds, the guy gets a phone call in just like a couple of sentences in the story, there's this complaint that um, children are being exposed to some particular um, stall, which is selling some art piece and it's, it's iffy, whether it's appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So then he goes on to say, he acknowledges that this complaint has happened and he can very quickly put into place the people's whose responsibility is to go and check on these things at his event. So the message he pulls out is because he had a plan for what happens in the event of media exposure, people on the ground knew what that plan was. Uh, they knew how to deal with it and he could enact it without sort of panicking and running around the showgrounds and dealing with things himself. He left himself in a place of staying in control by being able to delegate what needed to happen. And that's your message have a plan, be able to delegate, and it stops you having to panic. And when unexpected things happen, they're not quite so unexpected. So I imagine that you would definitely start with your message and then build your story around that because you need to understand what you're trying to communicate first, yeah? Oh, I mean, it's the same. we talk about this all the time, right, with our presentation. Yeah. With any presentation, you start with that message and that helps you make the decisions about which details of this story to leave in or to leave out. Like, it doesn't matter what he was wearing yeah. on the day, whether he was in a suit or board shorts. It doesn't matter what type of phone he was using or, or maybe even which uh, media outlet called him. A lot of that's not important, but it all needs to point towards the message. And this is, again, a skill in helping you to make those decisions and keep your stories succinct. Yeah. And the story exists just to deliver a message. You need to make sure it has a message. There's no use getting to the end of a story and going, and then we all went home. <laughs> yeah, there's no message to that at all. Yeah, so if you want to think about how to put together a story, you've got, you start with that message. And then you think up a time or a place where this was a good example. What was the problem you were faced with? What was the solution that you, you had or you discovered or you came across? And then what was the lesson at the end of that? Where did, where did we land? What was the, the learning from that? So, okay, do you have an example of if you maybe don't have an event or like that moment in time that comes from your own experience and you're telling a story about, and you're telling a story using maybe data or... Yeah, I do. I've got a story. Um, I'm going to use someone else's story from a previous client because they're always good for pinching stories from because they come to us with great stuff. Always varied. That's it. So this was a really data heavy presentation. This was a software company who dealt with sizing charts online and all of their information is basically in the form of data. And where we started is they wanted to use the statistic 70% of people return clothes that they buy online because they don't fit. Now this is actually not too bad to use. And I, and I think we ended up putting that in the middle there for them, but 
we push to come up with an actual story to actually put some humanization and some real human issue around that problem. And what we did, we helped them pull out a story that shows how that data directly affects one person. Now, chances are there are hundreds of these different types of stories that contribute to that one statistic, that contribute to that whole big information dump. But what we did was pull out one particular story. And the story went basically like this. A friend of mine, David, is a bit of an odd-shaped fellow. He played some rugby as a kid and he's got kind of thick thighs. He's not that tall and he's let himself go a bit. So he's a little bit round about the middle. And he absolutely hates shopping online. I was talking to him the other day and he said that he hates online shopping because he just can't find anything that fits him. And if he ever does go to buy something online, it gives him anxiety. And I said to him, well, why don't you just use the size charts? And he said, well, how do you actually make sense of a size chart? Like, I don't know how to measure myself. And I'm certainly not going to do it every single time. Because the problem is size charts, they're all different. It's, it's just too much of a pain. It's too much of a hassle to actually do. I can't be bothered and I usually just give up. So I don't shop online. Now, in this story, we've got a man. It doesn't particularly matter where they are, but you can see this person having a conversation with his friend, David. Yeah. doesn't really matter where that's happening. Maybe you place them in a lounge room. Maybe you place them at the pub. It doesn't really matter where it's happening, but we've got a scene. We've got a thing happening to a person. And then we have some stakes. We've introduced a problem here. We've introduced the fact that size charts are a problem. They're always different. There's this expectation to measure yourself and there's anxiety around online shopping. So there's, it becomes this problem and that becomes our stakes. And then at the end of the story, then throughout the presentation, this problem has been solved by this software that this company creates, which is your message of use our software and it will help you get over this buyer anxiety, over this size charts all being different and about making online shopping a difficult experience. So when you've got all this information, you've got all this data, like that statistic that they have 70% of people return clothes because they don't fit. That's all very good and well to use, but if you can find a story, if you can find some way to humanize some of that data, it's going to have a much stronger impact. And it can be really difficult sometimes to find that story. But if you can really push to humanize it. Yeah, look, workshopping stories is one of my favorite things to do with our clients because people always come to us with good stories that just need to be told well so that they serve the intended purpose, especially when you've got a persuasive objective for a presentation. Now, regardless of the story or stories that you select, if you can tell them, considering the scenes, the stakes and the message, you're going to be well on your way to making the right decisions to leverage those stories. Mm. So have scenes in your stories. That is somewhere, somewhen for people and events and action to take place. You're going to have stakes. So you need to present a problem. You need to present a big question in the mind of the audience and keep them listening. Why would I keep listening to this story? How is it going to be relevant to me? And putting that as early in the story as possible, right? So that they, they listen to the whole thing. And message. So you want to start with your message. What is the purpose of me telling this story? What is the message that's going to come out of it? And that helps you to make those decisions around what to include and what to exclude and demonstrates that change over time that leads into the evidence and the information in your persuasive presentation. 
Yeah, and if you are ever stuck, feel free to give us a call. This is what we do. We love helping people find their stories, find their narrative within their data, their experiences, and we would love to help. So please do contact us. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And otherwise, hope you found some value and can put a little bit more leverage on those great stories that you have, especially when you need to give a persuasive presentation. Thanks for listening and until next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. Head to presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for this episode, all other episodes and other free resources. If you have any other topics you'd like us to discuss, email us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Or we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find us. Have a great week.